Hi, Mouse Planeteers, and welcome to Mouse Station. In orbit around Mouse Planet, I'm Mike Demopoulos, a former Walt Disney World cast member. And I'm Mark Goldhaber, editor and staff writer here at MousePlanet.com. This is episode number 19 for May 17th, 2007. Welcome to the podcast. Each week, we'll broadcast live from this orbital outpost, bringing you the latest from the world of Mouse Planet. You can send us feedback by sending email to podcast at mouseplanet.com or by calling our toll-free feedback line at 1-866-939-2278. We love it when you call the feedback line because then we can play your call on the show. As always, we'd also like to thank our sponsor, Small World Vacations, Mouse Planet's preferred Disney travel provider. You can find them on the web at www.vacations.com. In this week's feature, we're going to explore the possibility of copyright infringement at a non-Disney park in China. It's not a possibility. It happened. In any case, and now, on with the show. Now it's time for the tip of the week. This week's tip comes from one of us. Which one? Well, it's not me, so it must be you, Mark. Well, actually, the tip comes from my wife. The Disney widow? Yeah, we're not going to get into that right now. Okay. Um, but when you ha- are traveling with kids, bring small games that fit in your pocket or coloring books or playing cards for when you are in a long line and the kids are getting tired. Or I should say a long, slow-moving line. Uh, obviously, if you've got a line that is long but you're continually moving, it makes it a bit harder to draw in a coloring book. But if you're in a line for something that has a periodic load, so you move forwards and then you stop and you sit and you wait, and then you move forwards, then you stop and you sit and you wait. That's perfect for uh, playing little handheld games or uh, or uh, playing cards if you if it's one where you can sit down or some coloring books. Of course, uh, handheld video games. Uh, you can do that. I, I have, you know, I think that's going a little too far. There's the thought of handheld video games in a queue. You can do it, but it, it just seems one step beyond what is good for Disney. You know, I don't know. I, I, I can see both sides of the argument. And last August we traveled with one kid who always had his, uh, game with him, but what do you think on the issue of, of handheld video games, Mike? Well, I was just going to say, when I was a, um, a cast member, I went to the park solo a ton. In fact, 90% of my park visits were by myself. So I had a lot of the solo park experiences, and I a couple times tried to bring my like Game Boy, or, I'm, like, I'm not a kid, but you know, a Game Boy or iPod or whatever into the queue, and I just found it you know, too much of a hassle and didn't really complete the Disney experience. So I just deal with waiting in line. But if I'm, you know, if I'm a parent, I don't think I want my kid playing a game because that kind of takes away from the Disney experience. If I'm a Disney fan that have been on, been on a ride hundreds of times and I don't think it feels right to be playing a game in a queue when it doesn't really matter if I see the queue or not, I don't want my future son who doesn't exist yet um, or daughter, or none of the above, I don't know, um, to not experience that at all, you know. I know they'll get bored, but I think that puts them too much away from the experience. So that's what I would say. Yeah, I think handheld video games are 
you get too absorbed in them to the point where you tune out the outside world. And, you know, if you're playing like a little pocket Scrabble game or something, you're not going to tune out of the world that much. You know, you don't get as absorbed into that. So I think that video, the handheld video games are maybe too much. And it could be a danger because if you're playing Spectrums or something, you could want to swear or chuck that thing <sighs> into the... Back to the oh, Spectrobes in, again. Into the in front of the roller coaster or something to destroy it, you know. Send it back to where it came. Now, we're expecting a report back from whoever uh, got the cursed copy of Spectrobes, right? Um, I still have to mail the cursed copy. Oh, I know you, who it is. You, all, all, that ha- all that desire to get rid of it and you still haven't even mailed it? I went to Florida and I forgot. Um, I went to Florida, I was gone for a week and then I came back and it's on my list of things to do. I'm looking at it right now. Um, I know who's getting it. I have his address. I'll mail it this week, I promise. You're looking um, at it. Is your stomach turning? Yes. Um, I don't know what's worse, the game or the fact I spent money on the game. <laughs> yeah. Gamefly's your friend, parents. Just let me say that. But that's our featured topic. No, and that's not our featured topic. And that's our tip of the week. <laughs> do you have a tip to share with our listeners? Please send it in to podcast at mouseplanet.com or call it into the toll-free feedback line. Uh, we'll give you credit on air if we use your suggestion, and we'll be very grateful to you as well because we're starting to run out of our own topics right now. We don't want to. Uh, yeah, we know, guys, we know you have tips. You've been writing about all the other areas and calling in, and we love it. But send us your tips. We will very appreciate it, and you'll be able to achieve podcast fame when we use your tip. And we'll give you credit. Woohoo! It's amazing. Act now. Operators are voicemail is standing by. Mouse Station featured topic. Well, Mark, you know there's a Disney park in China? You mean aside from Hong Kong Disneyland? Well... You know, we you don't want to say that to the cast members in Hong Kong. They don't consider them part of China. Oh, sorry, sorry, you mean? Do you mean mainland China? Yes, we'll say mainland China to be very um, correct here. You know, I was online and I saw a Disney park in, uh, in mainland China. Ah, uh, but it wasn't a Disney Disney park. It was. Uh, a- I see Donald Duck. I see Mickey Mouse. I see Sleeping Beauty. I see Spaceship Earth. What else could it be? I think you're perhaps referring to Beijing Shijingshan Amusement Park. Oh, wait. I knew that name didn't sound very Disney. Yeah, it is uh, yet another glorious example of how copyright infringement has gone overboard in China. In fact, the park is state-run. So it's not even a private venture. It's a state-run park that has quite a bit of Disney ripoff going on. And you know what's really funny is not only that, but the name of the website is bs-amusement-park.com. You know, which and it's yes, even yes, the, weirder. The, it's it's. Uh, Beijing, Xi Jinxian, but by the same token, the BS could stand for something else in some people's minds. Yes. 
But, you know, when you go to their website, I showed you pictures, and you were questioning even if they're real. Because these pictures look like they came out of classic Disneyland parks. You know, the characters that they use, you know, they have walk around Donald, walk around Mickey, walk around Mickey, and all those different things. They also, just to be fair, they don't just infringe on Disney copyrights. They nope. infringe on Warner Brothers, Looney Tunes, and Universal Studios. So oh, they don't forget they've also got Hello Kitty and yep. Doraemon. They'll they'll, yeah, they, they'll take e- anybody that they want. They equally infringe on everyone. But there is a lot of Disney characters. Um, if you go to different sites like Japan Probe, and you'll see photos and YouTube videos of inside the park, and it's kind of scary. The it's the photos when I first saw them. I thought they were like Disneyland opening photos with the, you know, weird with the older costumes that looked a little bit more non-contemporary. Mickey, you know what I'm talking about. You know, the more vat-looking mice. The, cost- the but, costumes look pretty crappy. Yeah, but I just can't believe this even exists. So this brings up a couple of questions. First of all, is it legal? Second of all. It's state-run, so how will that affect a mainland official Disney park? Thirdly, how will this affect the Disney brand in China overall? And what do you think about, basically, them stealing everything and anything they want for their park? Like, we'll put links in the show notes, but on their own website, which is a pretty nice Flash website, you see pictures of, like, future world-type stuff, and you actually see a geodesic sphere, it looks like a smaller version of Spaceship Earth. Like, what are your thoughts on this, Mark, and all those questions? Well, first, let's uh, talk about what Disney thinks. Now, I had sent an email to get some comment from Disney earlier today. And basically, the prepared statements, um, no specific answers to questions similar to what Mike was asking... The official statements are the protection of intellectual property and the guarantee of a quality Disney experience for consumers is vital to our business. Disney values and protects its intellectual property vigorously and takes reports of suspected infringement very seriously. And the other statement is we appreciate the efforts of the Beijing Copyright Bureau in dealing with this situation. We will continue to work globally to drive enforcement of intellectual property with governments, industry associations, and law enforcement on this important issue. So, basically, they're not happy, and they're trying to work through channels in taking care of this. Now, there are quite a lot of U.S. companies that have been up in arms about the... uh, intellectual property pirating going on in China to the point where there are uh, issues in trade talks and such. The International Intellectual Property Alliance has gotten involved. Um, They're estimating $2.2 billion related to the piracy last year. So it's it's, uh, not something that is a good thing. But we will say that some stories have said that there is some demolition going on on some of the 
copyright infringing structures. There are photos on some websites of workmen taking sledgehammers to Sleeping Beauty statue. So hopefully much of the infringing stuff is coming down. Of course, the folks in costumes and the major building-sized structures may not disappear quite as quickly. The what they call Cinderella's Castle, which actually looks more like Sleeping Beauty Castle in California. The geosphere that uh, looks suspiciously like Spaceship Earth. I don't know, you know how easy it will be to get them to take those down. Uh, it's interesting to also to note, though, that one of the banners that was hanging over the entrance to the park during their holiday season, said, Disney is too far, so please come to Xi Jingshan. Speaking of Hong Kong, I'm guessing, right? uh, I don't know if it's that or if if they're referring to the stateside parks. But they were uh, positioning themselves as an alternative to Disney, and they were having pseudo-Disney characters and pseudo-Disney structures and other well, similar stuff. What's interesting so. is the spaceship Earth type structure actually um, houses a movie. It's called Happy World, is the name of the attraction. And it says, Dismiss from the mind of the person because is especially, this is as translated, of course, especially new, the machinery and the high tech intelligence control melts body has represented a generation of affronts becomes the theater science and technology and unfolds newly at present has this item in the beautiful little river and here's the funny thing it says on the last three words i don't know exactly what it is in chinese but it says translated disney two issues and then disney it continues, two issues that those are the last words and it describes that's ex- that's what it translated like, and it it describes the attraction as 4D flies in circles, the theater in the world, first class continent, first room, new 4D theater item, including the high tech feeling shade, the 3D surface, the sphere shade screen, the large scale fluid raises melts to feeling gathers the effect in six minute showings, or the feeling airborne hovers. Passes through the valley. The rain occurs simultaneously. The cloud disappears. And then continues on. But the last words of it is Disney, two issues. So it talks a lot about technology and communication, spaceship Earth, and seems like it's a Soren-type experience. What I find funny is that it translated to Little River Seder, Disney, two issues. Don't know exactly what that means, I don't speak Chinese. That's the best a translator I could get online would say. But they're taking this to the extreme. They're not only just doing light structures, they're taking the same ride concepts. Well, if you look at the um, Wikipedia page on the park, it lists uh, some of their steel coasters as Space Trip, Mine Coaster, so Space Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain, anyone? Uh, they also have uh, pictures on their site of, uh, well, you know, 
maybe I don't know if the flume ride is actually themed like uh, one of the mountain rides. So you know, I'll I'll back off on that. That may not be a Disney ripoff. But if you go if you go to the uh, theme parks website, and we will put a link in the show notes. It's interesting how many uh, attractions do uh, seem Disney-like, and there are photos on their site and on Japanese sites of people wearing Disney-appearing costumes, and uh, it's uh, fairly blatantly obvious to me. But that being said, you know, let's let's take a look at some of the effects, okay? Is it possible that this park might cause difficulties with building the Disney brand in China due to the difference in quality between Xi Jinxian and Disney-run parks? You know, is the lackluster quality at this park going to hurt Disney? How is it that the state itself, while they're trying to negotiate with Disney to build a Disney park, the state is running this amusement park with all the infringing stuff. Is this going to affect construction of the planned Disney park in mainland China? Is it possible that Disney will build its park in some other place in order to have maximum effect of hurting this park? It's going to be really touchy, I think, the negotiations now uh, between Disney and China to site a theme park in the country. Well, first of all, is it legal? There's some debate on the China copyright law that it's expired with Disney, so that they don't even, um, in mainland China, the copyright law doesn't apply. Is, is that true? Is that not true? Is it overhyped? Do we know? Uh, A lot of companies are taking heat over similar issues recently. Well, I'm certainly not an expert in Chinese copyright laws, but China is far and away the um, leading source of unlicensed copies of goods and copyright infringement. Again, the International Intellectual Property Alliance is um, estimating... $2.2 billion of losses to copyright holders just based on the piracy of books, films, music, and software. So China has raised the uh, penalties for uh, patent copyright and other intellectual property violation, but, you know, it's it's almost like the um, little Dutch boy trying to stick his fingers in the dam. There's so much piracy going on, how do they stop it all? Now, obviously, you want to try to take out the biggest, most obvious violators, which makes me wonder why the state is having so much trouble stopping state-run violator. So it, it's, it's uh, going to be really uh, interesting to see how this comes out. Disney obviously is not going to take this lying down. Um, They still want to keep some level of friendliness there in order to get a good deal in the construction of the mainland China theme park that they're planning. 
because basically they they haven't been building theme parks without major government concessions in the past. So they need those government concessions, but by the same token, they want this park shut down, or at least all of the Disney uh, characters and references in the park removed. I'm sure Disney would want all copyright references removed just for good policy. I just don't know if that's going to happen. Looking at this park's website and looking at other attractions, and the puts it around on this website, I've seen the word Disney in their actually articles like five, six times, which is kind of weird. One of the stories that got released in the news archives a couple days ago was Beijing Xing Hill Yu mascot big figure ear story. The I don't know what that means. The, it kind of doesn't translate well. But there's so many copyright infringements and the slight that could this park live without the copyright infringement. I mean, and then you look at the explanations they give for why it's not a copy. Um, There's a quote in one of the news stories from the uh, deputy general manager of the park saying that um, despite the uh, similarities to the other characters, the the, the, um, Beijing park characters are all locally designed. He says, take our Cinderella as an example. The face of Disney's Cinderella's face is European, but ours is a Chinese. She looks like a young Chinese country girl. And that's why they're different, because the girl in the dress is local. That doesn't quite make so much sense. Uh, another quote from him, when they were... Um, I've insisted the character on the right, when they've talked about photos of Donald Duck and Minnie Mouse, um, in her polka dot dress... And they said, um, quote, the character on the right is not a mouse. It is a cat with very large ears. Yeah. Or uh, the characters in our park just look a little bit similar to theirs, but the faces, clothes, sizes, and appearances are totally different. Excuse me? A lot of these news sites show tons of photos and are the goods of what they're selling equal to what you find at Disneyland or Disney World. Some cases, they're actually quite on par. Some of them, no, you can tell they're definitely not the official character, but you can tell what character they're trying to represent. Yeah, um, it's it's pretty obvious that they're they're ripping these things off. So, obviously, we don't know where this is going yet, but it's going to be very interesting to see how this comes out. It, yeah, it's definitely crazy. And what's interesting is, when did they start doing this copyright infringement? Because it didn't really hit the press until May 3rd, and then a lot of sites picked it up. Well, probably uh, nobody was really paying close attention, and nobody really noticed it until uh, somebody spotted it. And then as soon as it hit the papers, of course, everybody wants to be in on a copyright infringement story, especially if it involves Disney. So that's probably where, uh, you know, it took off like a shot. Now, answering the other unanswered question is, what does this do for the Disney name, the Disney product? Does it weaken the Disney name? Does it make the the park experience um, watered down if there is a mainland park that does open up? How does it affect... The guest experience. The guests well, actually going to Disney parks. 
two schools of thought. One is that Disney has had a lot of trouble making headway into China and looking at the uh, mind share and getting the Chinese people to recognize Disney characters. Jim Hill loves to tell the story of the person who was trying to select a pin at Hong Kong Disneyland and said, I'll take the one of the yellow pig. Do you know who the yellow pig that they were referring to is? Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. They thought Winnie the Pooh was a yellow pig. So to some extent, it's possible that having these cut-rate knockoffs at this park would help Disney get some mind share without doing too much damage because uh, the people would know that it was a knockoff. But by the same token, by getting used to knockoff Disney stuff, they might think that the original is not much better than that. So it, there's, there's two schools of thought, and I'm not sure exactly how they're uh how they're uh gonna how this is gonna come out it'll be very interesting to watch what happens with it because you know we have i doubt that this park is going to stay in operation at the level of copyright infringement it is going on now and from all views of it it was a fairly popular regional park uh, from what i gather and reading about it um so i doubt the park will close but i don't think it's going to be able to continue with all the different copyright infringements of all the different properties that's currently doing, specifically properties of the big name studios that have the money to go after it. Um, now, now, now that word is out, I I don't see them getting away with it much longer. But Dis- you- Disney Disney zealously protects its copyrights, and now that Disney is on the war path, things will happen. It'll be very interesting to watch what happens to the um to the full park in Beijing. Yep. But did you gather the same thing that it is a fairly large regional park? It appears to be. I mean, if you look at the park map, um, it it appears to be quite large and quite extensive. And the website is not just a cheap little website. It's a well done tourist attraction website. So, you know, it's kind of surprising that a park of this magnitude you know, probably equal to, let's say, one of the Cedar Cedar Park parks that we have in Knott's Berry Farms in the United States, I'm guessing, has been able to get away f- with this for so long. It's kind of crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. But we'll put all the links to all the interesting photos and copyright infringement in the show notes, and we would welcome your comments. Featured Attraction All right, in our featured attraction segment, we bring you information about one attraction at a Disney park from Mouse Planet's Park Guides. This week, we're going to look at the Alice in Wonderland attraction in Fantasyland at Disneyland Park. We'll start out by reading the description in the park guide, which says that Alice in Wonderland is one of the classic dark rides that Disneyland's Fantasyland is famous for. Based on the Disney movie of the same name, once on board your Caterpillar, you'll travel through various scenes from the movie. Opened in 1958, Alice in Wonderland is the only Fantasyland dark ride built between the park's opening and the redesign of Fantasyland in 1983 when Pinocchio's Daring Journey premiered. 
Due to the slippery surface of a short stretch of track, Alice in Wonderland is one of the few Disneyland rides to close when it rains. It, it's a, a fun little ride. It's, it's slow-moving with some interesting scenes from the movie. It's certainly not a linear uh, retelling of the movie, but uh, there's some fun scenes. And the slippery section of track referred to in the uh, park guide is actually uh, an outdoor section. It's possibly one of the only, if not the only, indoor... Well, no, it's not the only, but it's one of the only indoor-outdoor attractions at Disneyland. It's, it's the only indoor-outdoor dark ride. The caterpillar goes into the building and travels around, goes upstairs, and then once it's upstairs, at some point you come out through a door and travel around up above the track outside before going back into the building to go to the ride's conclusion. Have you have you ridden uh, Alice in Wonderland, Mike? Um, sadly, I have not. I was at Disneyland for nine, ten days, and I never road uh, I kept meaning to but there was always something else I was on a path to do so I didn't sadly uh, I will note that Mouse Planet contributor Paul Torgino um, who wrote a few articles on things that were never built like uh, the Dragon Tower attraction for Beastly Kingdom in Animal Kingdom and he wrote a four-part series on the Maelstrom at Epcot. Paul, at one point, worked on the redo of Alice in Wonderland in the early 80s. As a matter of fact, in the first part of his Maelstrom story, we've got a photo uh, that he drew, a photo of, of a drawing of his that, was a sketch for a hedgehog for the Alice in Wonderland attraction. Really? Yep. It's uh, got uh, three different views of the hedgehog, and, and uh, he sculpted the figure that the queen is about to hit with the flamingo croquet mallet. And uh, so that was one of the things that he did before he was called on to work on Maelstrom. Oh, that's interesting. More fun with little-known facts. But uh, we uh, rode that attraction... Uh, I don't think we went on it on a 2005 trip, but in 2001, we took my son on it, and he was a little nervous because he was... Not he's not very comfortable with dark rides because of his uh, difficulty in low light situations, but I think he enjoyed it. Some of the uh, unusual scenes, like the um, going through the playing cards and such, I think surprised him. But he he uh, he enjoyed it pretty much. But this is one of those attractions that you won't find anywhere else. In the world, I don't think that this has been copied at any of the other Disney parks. Hey, but maybe in Beijing, we don't know. Ah. <laughs> we'll put a link to the Alice in Wonderland Park Guide page in the show notes. Review System Spotlight. 
Once again, we spotlight reviews of one restaurant or resort from Mouse Pines Review System. This week, we're going to look at one of my favorites, Flame Tree Barbecue at Disney's Animal Kingdom, which is described in Mouse Pines Park Guide as Flame Tree Barbecue as one of the better views in the park, with its tables and on terraces down on Discovery River. The view will only get better when Expedition Everest... Whoa. We are going to have to update this. The view is only better because Expedition Everest is completed and diners can watch the attraction while eating. The portions of barbecue meat are pretty large, so you might want to consider sharing portions. It's rated 4.8 out of 5 planets on the strength of 11 reviews. A review that's so new that it hasn't been rated yet is a five-planet review for, by Turbo Man of Portland, Oregon, who visited this past March. The review reads as follows. What a great place. We went there twice and had a great meal both times. I had the ribs the first time and barbecue pork sandwich the second time, and both were very good. With the Disney dining plan, we ended up with a ridiculous amount of good food both times. What makes this place stand out, though, is the seating area. Both times we found spots on the water facing Expedition Everest. It was a cool, relaxing spot, a great place for a midday break. The lake that our table was on was nearly an attraction in itself. Fish, turtles, a crocodile, and the random character boat that came by one meal. I love um, Flame Tree. I think it's a... Great restaurant. I kind of laugh when it says consider sharing portions because <laughs> I don't share portions. Yeah. Uh, but if, it's, you, if, you, if you look at me, you'll notice that I don't share portions either. Yeah. It's one of the requirements about being a co-host. So. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> one, one nice thing uh, about the restaurant was the fact that the Disney Dining Experience card gave you your 20% discount there, even though it was counter service because there were no table service restaurants in Disney's Animal Kingdom. That's going to be changing later this year when Yak and Yeti opens and Tusker House is converted from counter service to buffet-style service. Once that happens, then the counter service restaurants will be dropping the 20% discount. So I will no longer be getting my 20% Disney Dining Experience discount at Flame Tree Barbecue, which is very disappointing because that's probably my favorite place to eat at Disney's Animal Kingdom, not just for the quality of the food, which is wonderful. I love the barbecue there. But also you take your food and you go and walk down and you sit overlooking Discovery River and looking at Expedition Everest while you eat, which is just great. And sadly, I won't get my 20% cast member discount anymore because you can ask a cast member. Well, you won't get your 20% cast member discount anywhere anymore because you're not a cast member. Well, to my cast member homies down south, they won't get Animal Kingdom discounts anymore like you currently can at counter service. It's kind of cool. But I love the food. I love the water. I love hanging out down there. It's where Minnie Mouse Adventure HQ um, was at this year in. Right, Min- good. Minnie Mouse Adventure uh, kickoff was at uh, Mouse Fest 2006. Uh, of course, we finished at the uh, at the fort in Africa. But uh, 
What's your favorite dish at uh, Flame Tree? Chicken. Barbecue chicken. Okay. What's yours? I'm, I'm, it's a toss-up between the ribs and the uh, pork sandwich. I'm probably going to have to go with the ribs, though. The ribs are really good. Yeah, I hear the good. I just don't happen to eat um, either of those two kinds of meat. Yeah. I guess it's both pork, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the food is great, and um, the, the view Do the seating. Is, a lot of people don't know the seating's down there, but you know, you'll see it if you look. Yep. But. If you do get if you if you are looking for the best seating, after you get your food at Flame Tree, go down to the left side of where you get your food, and go alongside the building, and then just stay to your right all the way around the curve until you get down to the seating areas right on the water. There's a couple of seating areas. Uh, if the first one is full, keep walking, and you'll get to the second seating area on the water. It's a great place to eat. It's a great place to hang out. Uh, it's great. We'll put a link to the Flame Sheet Barbecue Review page as well as its park guide page in the show notes. Don't forget that you can access the user review section of Mouse Planet from the link on the left-hand side of any page. Just click Use Reviews. And don't forget to post your own reviews when you come back from your trip. And also, don't forget to click the buttons on whether or not existing reviews were helpful to you. That'll help us to pick which reviews to use in this segment. Ask the Kid. Okay, Mark, it's time for Ask the Kid. I'm sick of doing my Lion King propaganda, so just play the clip. And we're back with another episode of Ask the Kid. This week we've got kind of a double shot. We've got a question from Kim Barron that's going to lead us into a question from Dave from San Francisco. So first the question from Kim is very simple. Do you like the Lion King? Very much. I. It's pretty much one of my all-time favorite Disney movies. Okay. Um, and now we'll do uh, the second question from Dave from San Francisco, who asks, What's your favorite thing in the Lion King stage show that's not in the movie? Well, I think my favorite part that's not in the movie is either the part where they pick the kids out of the audience to do the parade. Oh, no, 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 no. Not Festival of the Lion King. I think he means Lion King on Broadway. Oh, the fact where they're actually talking to you. And my mom says that the giraffes almost came down to our lap. And what I remember is Rafiki was like, because she found out the symbol was still alive. And then I was laughing. And then... Rafiki, or well, the person who was turning Rafiki, I mean, playing Rafiki, turned around and said, Oh, do you think that's funny? Do you think that's funny? It sounds all like that. Okay, and just in case what Dave really wanted was um, things in the Festival of the Lion King that weren't in the movie, what's your favorite thing in Festival of the Lion King that wasn't in the movie? Well, the it's either the part where they pick the kids out of the audience and let them parade out around the stage, or the part where... The um, there was a fire juggling in Be Prepared by Scar, 
or the uh, tumbling monkey scene, because I love those gymnastics rules. Okay, gymnastics rules. <laughs> so, that'll wrap it up for this week's Ask the Kid. We'll be back again with another question. Aha! Ha 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 ha! Mark, our listeners listened. They answered the call. Uh, I, I selected those questions for this week just for you, Mike. And I appreciate it. I am happy to our listeners. I am happy to Kim. I am happy with your son's answer. I still like him. Um, he, you know, it was awesome. It was a good question, good answer, very funny, as always. And it's Lion King, which anything Lion King is good. So... I am happy. Well, I, I I partly put that in because uh, Kim's question came out of her voicemail that we'll hear later in the show, and uh, I paired it up with the question from Dave from San Francisco that I've been sitting on waiting for our next round of recording to ask. Um, his is actually part of a longer email that uh, we never read in listener feedback. He said... Uh, Hey guys, love the show, especially when the two of you deviate from your script and start bantering with each other. I've decided <laughs> to bow to on-air peer pressure and submit a Lion King-related question for Ask the Kid. Good for What's you. your favorite thing in the Lion King stage show that isn't in the movie? Take care, Dave from San Francisco. So, um, yes, there was there was the outcry of Lion King, and and uh, there wasn't so that much. Come we on, it. I'm trying to shore up your uh, cause here. Okay. <laughs> But uh, peer pressure. <laughs> yeah, but he he really enjoyed both the stage show and uh, Festival of the Lion King, or I should say, the Broadway show and the Festival of the Lion King. And uh, he also enjoys Lion King, Lion King one and a half, and Lion King two. So there you go, Mike. Well, you know, I am happier. Son successfully passed the test. It was a test if I was ever going to, you know, pay attention to him again or, you know, send him gifts. I don't know. <laughs> but your son passed. You can tell him that he's still all right in my book, although he's never met me. But, yep. you know, I sent water to your room. <laughs> yes, it was very nice. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, it was a fun <laughs> ask to kid. I love this section. Um, we'll continue it. We, we, send in your questions. Uh, we've got a few more questions that we've recorded and a couple that we didn't have time to record in this last round of recording that we'll get to the next time around but um, we can always use more questions so feel free to either send them in to podcast at mouseplanet.com or to use the toll-free feedback line at 866-939-2278 and we'll play your clip and then my son's answer so you'll sound like you're asking him directly right on the show. It's the magic of podcasting. Ooh. <laughs> ah. And now it's time for this week's Magical Moment. A magical moment this week comes in from Anthony. He left a voicemail from Chicago, better known on our MousePod discussion forums as Chicago Wookie. 
Hey, Mike and Mark. It's Anthony calling from Chicago, a.k.a. Chicago Wookiee. Just wanted to share a magical moment that I thought for sure Mike would enjoy. Uh, last year, while at the Animal Kingdom, waiting for Mickey's, or actually once Mickey's Jam and Jungle Parade had started, uh, we're, we're standing there, and Timon is on the other side uh, where the, the other line is at, and he, he looks over at me, points at me, and he comes running over and gives me a huge hug and then points at my shirt. I, of course, am wearing my Lion King shirt, which has uh, adult Simba and uh, Timon and Pumbaa a little bit smaller on there. And and so it was nice to be kind of picked out out of thousands of people uh, for Timon to come over and give some, some special attention. So that was cool. Um, and, and while we're talking about Animal Kingdom, any word on uh, the Yak and Yeti restaurant? Still waiting. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the show. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks. Boy, you know, I just can't take all this Lion Kingness today. There's too much Lion Kingness going on here. First, I'm nice enough to make this the Lion King week and ask the kid, and now we've got a Lion King magical moment. Everybody look left. Everybody look right. Everybody look. I'm standing in the spotlight. Everybody. Yeah, don't think too hard. You'll hurt yourself. Uh, anyway, it's it, it's uh, always special to get uh, special attention from a parade character and uh, to have Timon come over and recognize himself on Anthony's shirt is uh is all is, is that's that's always fun that's that's great uh, especially when you don't remember what it is that you're wearing my son was wearing i think it was actually a Minnie mouse hat and your son Mickey, was wearing a mini mouse hat yeah well he liked he liked the purple he, he, ah. he, that that day he liked purple so he it. got the purple hat um, it, it was it was a purple baseball hat that said Minnie on it or something, and Mickey saw that and he came over and he was wondering where the Mickey hat was. <laughs> so uh, that was funny. But then when he went and he saw Minnie, Minnie saw the hat and she was uh, you know thrilled and very excited to see that. So it's it's uh, it's kind of fun to see the characters reacting to images of themselves or or you know merchandise with them with them on it. Yeah, it's fun to get extra special attention from characters. You know, I've had a couple times, um, but we've already covered that in other shows. But um, yep. Baloo, yes, yes, yes. No cell phone use allowed at Disney, I understand. Do you have a magical moment that you'd like to share with other listeners? Well, if it's a song or a <laughs> quote or a photo or a movie moment or anything. Or Mark's line. What's my line? What I started saying. No. <laughs> or, if it's, or if it's interrupting, stealing Mark's lines and taking them as your own, call a toll-free feedback line. 1-866-939-2278. Or send it into stories at mouseplanet.com. It might appear on the podcast, and it'll also be considered for inclusion on our Cast Place column on the Mouse Planet website, which is edited by Shoshana Lewin. And don't forget that the magical moments are best when they're told in your voice. So call the feedback line. Come on, you can do it. I know you can. Anthony did it. Go ahead. Come on. I dare you. 
and <laughs> our our wonderful happy voices will be waiting for you when you call. Now, isn't that inspiration to pick up the phone now? Okay, Don't do it run anyway. Don't away screaming. Just pick up the phone and call. Yeah, pick up the phone, yeah. You can do it. I dare you. That's it. Pick it up. Okay. one 939 Okay. You hear us? I knew, you and then... I knew you could do that. Good job. I'm so happy. Now we're going to move on to listener feedback. Incoming transmission. Now station, station listener, listener feedback. feedback. We got, let's do listener feedback. We got two voicemails from Kim, Mark. Yes, we got two, count them, two voicemails from Kim Barron. Can we play them? Can we play them? Why don't we play them both back to back? Ooh, Steven's challenge. Let's try and let's go. Hi, Mark and Mike. It's Kim Barron from Pittsburgh. Sorry I didn't get back to you, but I am definitely going to give you a call from Star Wars weekends, both weekends, and maybe some other times when I'm in the parks on the week between. Now, Mark, don't hate me for this, but The Lion King is one of my favorite shows, so I have a question for Ask the Kid. Does your son like The Lion King? Now, I know maybe we're just enabling Mike. Maybe, I don't know if we're enabling him, or if somebody we could just get someone to ask a question, then maybe he'd maybe be a little quiet about the Lion King for 30 seconds. Now, Mike, I've never stayed at Pop Century. I've heard it's not bad, so I can't give you an opinion on that. But I'm not a martini person, so I don't think I'm ever going to try a blue teeny, but I do like the Lion King, so I'll go with you on that one. You guys have a good day, and I'll call you from Star Wars Weekend. Bye. Hi, Mark and Mike. It's Kim again. I forgot to mention, Mike, the Fiesta Margaritas in Epcot. You got to try them. They're great. Now, that's my kind of drink. Bye. <laughs> well, Mark, this is definitely not your week. We got Blue Teeny Talk. We got Lion King talk. We got Ask the Kid Lion King. We got other voicemails about the Lion King. We got other drink recommendations. You know, what more do you want? Well, let's see. We haven't had Animal Kingdom Lodge, and we, ha- oh, we haven't had Pop Century, and we haven't had Expedition Everest. That's true. So it's not, it's not a complete sweep. There still could be time. Let's, let's continue the show, maybe. Yep. But as always, it's it's always good to hear from Kim. Definitely. And uh, Kim, we're looking forward to hearing your reports from Star Wars Weekends. Yes, definitely. Um, Kim, enjoy Star Wars Weekends. I, I'm jealous, but I'm sure you'll give us plenty of updates. Speaking of that... And, um, and we'll be jealous because we won't be there. Yeah, we won't be there. We got another email from Kirsten who writes, Hello, Mark and Mike. I just wanted to write in and tell you how much I've enjoyed the podcast the last few episodes. It does continue to be better and better each week. Thanks for the great episodes, and again, I apologize for my remarks on a previous episode. I did let my temper get the best of me, something that I'm deeply ashamed of now. I have also really enjoyed the news segment even more, as there now seems to be more discussion about the park updates besides just reading what's on the webpage. Thanks again, Kirsten. Well, first off... Don't apologize for your remarks. Don't apologize for letting your 
uh, temper, you know, let you call your words because that's what you were feeling. I mean, there's nothing to be ashamed of if that's how you felt. I mean, we've said stuff that we feel bad that we said, but, you know, I, I can't really be ashamed of something that I feel. So it's fine. There's nothing to worry about. Don't let it bother you. Yeah. As far as, sorry. I was going to say, thank you for writing that. You know, thanks for your note. But yeah, yeah, it was your, your thoughts, opinion. It's always valid. And as, as far as uh, the news segments, yeah, we, we've um, been doing our best not to read. Um, I'm picking a subset of stories from the update rather than, re- than doing the entire update. And I'm just talking about them in general rather than reading from the update. I think Andrew is doing the same, though I haven't been. Uh, pay, watching closely, comparing that to what's in the written update. I'm assuming that he's still uh, paraphrasing or, or uh, retelling. And, of course, the company news, uh, some of it is completely written out before the podcast. Some of it is notes, and we wing it when we get to the show. So uh, we're uh, moving along and doing our best there. I haven't. This is from Bill Ruffin. He writes, "I haven't heard the podcast yet. I can't download it to my Trio 700P. It would be nice if you could provide a way to download it directly on a Palm device." Well, I was doing some research, and there is a, a service called Voice Indigo that converts podcasts to be Trio friendly. But in addition. I believe you can upload the MP3s manually and listen to them on the Palm. Am I incorrect? Well, I I have been uh, trading emails with Phil since then. And we took a look at some of the stuff in the Palm knowledge base. And it looks like it's possible that either it's timing out or that there's an issue with file size. He seems to be able to download audio files up to about 6 meg, and anything beyond that tends to bog down and get the error message. So we're still working on resolving that. If there's anybody out there who is trio knowledgeable and may possibly have a solution to this error, uh, drop us a line and uh, we'll see if we can get you in touch with Phil to hopefully uh, resolve his problem so he can listen to the podcast. Up next, we have an extended voicemail from Dave Welty. Uh, Stephen has edited it together into a single voicemail. It was actually left as multiples. But Dave just got back from Walt Disney World and has a trip report on the stuff that he did while there. So let's roll that. This might be a good time to note that if you do call to leave a voicemail, there is about a three-minute limit. So you will, and we'll we'll run into that in a later voicemail as well. Just so you're aware. So call back, please. And now let's listen to that voicemail. Hey, Mark and Mike. This is listener Dave Welty from Temecula, California, calling in with a brief trip report from our recent trip to Walt Disney World. 
Uh, arrived last week at Saratoga Springs um, and uh, stayed in the grandstand section. Um, as uh, you, any of you familiar with Saratoga Springs probably know, the grandstand section is the last section to be completed there. Uh, we were in a brand new building and had a great view of the Lake Buena Vista Golf Course. And uh, actually, there's only one other building under construction now. It's completely finished on the outside, and the landscaping is all in. So any of you that uh, want to see Saratoga Springs in its uh, final completed stages can head over there right now and uh, see it uh, see it completely done. I talked to the foreman uh, working on the last building, and he said that uh, they're going to be ready for occupancy uh, mid-June in that building. So they're ahead of schedule, and uh, the resort is almost completely finished. Uh, also, while we were there, um, toured the Animal Kingdom uh, models, which are at Saratoga Springs, and we were really impressed with those. Um, anybody that's uh, interested in uh, Disney Vacation Club has been kind of sitting on the fence uh, making a decision. Next time you're at, uh, at the resort, go uh, head over there. They've got um, models of both the Animal Kingdom Lodge and uh, still some Saratoga Spring model uh, homes to look at. And uh, you can see what uh, what there is to offer. Saratoga Springs, I heard uh, from uh, people there, was uh, expected to probably sell out by the end of this year. So if you're interested in uh, Saratoga Springs, uh, now's the time to, uh, to check that out. Uh, while we were there, um, the air was pretty smoky from those fires in Georgia. Uh, not unbearably so, but definitely there was a haze in the air, and the uh, normally clean air of uh, central Florida was a little marred by the the smoke there, but uh, didn't really affect our trip, and uh, we enjoyed it. Uh, we enjoyed the trip, anyways. Um, as Mark knows, I'm a former Disneyland cast member, and uh, we're annual pass holders there, so we go to Disneyland quite often. I've probably been there uh, hundreds and hundreds of times, uh, but this is only our second trip to uh, Walt Disney World, so um, had a lot of neat new experiences while we were there. Um, went to uh, Country Beer uh, Jamboree, which is something I remember uh, from just a few years back. Uh, they've removed that from Disneyland and put in the uh, new Adventures of Winnie the Pooh there. So it was neat to let my kids experience that uh, attraction that I grew up uh, with, and uh, they really enjoyed it. And uh, rode the Carousel of Progress with the family. This is an attraction that uh, I don't remember as a child. Uh, the, the attraction I do remember at Disneyland is the America Sings attraction, which replaced it. So this was a new experience for us, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, however, about halfway through the show, my 10-month-old daughter started wailing, and we didn't want to disturb the other guests. So as soon as the uh, carousel stopped moving, we picked up and uh, exited out the uh, exit door, um, came around the front, and uh, got a pretty good tongue lashing from the cast members saying how we had uh, broken down the ride and uh, caused big problems. And... Um, Turns out um, that wasn't the case. My son and my 16-year-old son and four-year-old daughter stayed in the show and said that they noticed no difference when we exited. But just a little word of warning, unless you're having a major heart attack, um, you probably want to avoid exiting the Carousel of Progress unless you want to get uh, yelled at by a cast member. Um, but anyways, we'll, we'll be going back to see the rest of that show, hopefully, uh, on our trip in November, and we're really looking forward to it. Uh, went over to Epcot and uh, rode Spaceship Earth, and... Uh, when we exited, saw the Siemens display in place. Um, it looks like uh, a lot of the, uh, the display is there, um, a lot of simulators um, and uh, neat uh, computer-type uh, things going on there, real high-resolution screens with simulators uh, with, it looks like, car safety features that Siemens is developing. Uh, a lot of people were really enjoying them. I, it looks like they've still got a lot to install, but 
Um, I think uh, there's going to be a lot of hands-on stuff, uh, similar to Interventions, uh, some of the stuff you'd see there, only it looks like it's pretty cutting edge, so something to look forward to uh, there as well. Um, had our first visit to Animal Kingdom Lodge uh, and Boma, and uh, Mike will be happy to hear we really like the Animal Kingdom Lodge. Um, it's a beautiful place, and uh, really enjoyed our dinner at Boma, um, and we tried the Zebra Domes, and... Uh, uh, despite all the all the hype, we still uh, really enjoyed them, uh, and they really lived up to what the people had said about them. Uh, Mike would be interested to know that we saw the blue teeny everywhere we went. Uh, Spoodles at uh, Animal Kingdom, at uh, Saratoga Springs, in the Turf Club uh, Turf Club restaurant. Uh, I'm not a big martini fan, so I didn't try one, but uh, definitely people were enjoying them, and I think that that, that uh, drinks here to stay, Mike. Uh, you should be happy about that. Uh, I, I saw it everywhere. I probably saw 20 of them, so a um, little news on that for you. I uh, had our first uh, real full-day visit to Animal Kingdom and uh, really enjoyed our time there. Um, my uh, son, a 16-year-old son and wife rode Expedition Everest, and... Uh, Waited outside uh, with my two daughters who were too young to ride. Uh, something your listeners uh, should be aware of um, is the uh, child swap option where you can go up to the uh, front entrance and get a child swap pass. This allows uh, two people to ride, uh, an adult to stay out with the kids, and then as soon as the two people exit, the adult uh, that had stayed with the kids can uh, ride with another person uh, and not wait in line. So. We took advantage of that, however, when uh, my wife and son got off and uh, I got on uh, with my pass and my 16-year-old son, we got right up to loading and the ride broke down. And unfortunately, we couldn't wait around because we had the dinner plans with some local friends in Orlando. So, didn't experience it this time, but uh, looking forward to uh, trying it again in November. I uh, had a great meal at Spoodles uh, that that night and uh, really enjoyed the uh, food there. And the head chef actually came by and asked us how our meal was. And uh, we were really impressed with the food there. Um, you know, here in Southern California, we have a pretty good selection of uh, Greek restaurants and felt that the uh, the food at Spoodles was definitely on par and uh, really at the top of our list now for uh, great Greek restaurants. And uh, the, the chef was really is really working hard to uh, to keep the food authentic and not uh, not bland for the typical uh, theme park guests. They're trying to appeal to all tastes. Uh, he really does a good job there. So uh, any of you uh, thinking about Spoodles, uh, definitely, I can I can definitely recommend it. Um, and lastly, I uh, had our first year of a million dreams experience at any theme park, uh, Disney Park, uh, actually at Typhoon Lagoon, and um, we uh, got in our extra magic hours. Uh, we're heading over to the locker area to rent a locker. And a lady met us there and said, are you renting a locker? And uh, we said yes. And she gave us a locker key and said, uh, for the year of a million dreams, we had uh, won a locker for the day. And we uh, took the key and opened it up. And there was four uh, towels there for us to use, uh, two refillable mugs, and a valuables box that you would wear around your neck to keep your valuables in. Uh, that was really a, a neat experience. And uh, those were all things that uh, we would have uh, probably uh, purchased or rented anyway. So... That was uh, just the kind of icing on the cake, and uh, overall, it was an excellent trip, and uh, we're really looking forward to uh, to visiting again in November. Uh, and Mike and Mark, keep up the good work. Uh, really enjoy your podcast. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Well, Mark, we got some more of my favorite things. This is like a show out of my dream- wildest dreams. We got Lutini coverage locations, which... Most of these resorts, as we pretty much suspected, I hope it actually will stay, and I'm excited to hear that it's 
Still thriving. Got some pop century. Talking there. You know? Um, mm-hmm. No Everest. But, you know. Yeah, yeah, there's Everest there. And Oh, uh, yeah, you're the, right. There was Everest. And the single rider line. Yep, yeah, the single rider line. And it's it's great. So, it's like... my And sh- the warning of the... Early departure from Carousel of Progress. The scoldings. <laughs> you can't leave. You must stay. It doesn't matter how much your kid is screaming. Keep them in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fun stuff. Well, Mark. Yep. Yep. But um, this is you know, a nightmare. We're 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 glad that you had a great trip, Dave. Um, and we're looking forward to talking to you. Again, in the future, uh, we've got uh, a couple of things that we're trying to line up with Dave to talk about his uh, status as a former Disneyland cast member, among other things. But uh, we've got some details to work out there, and then we'll uh, maybe have some more stuff from Dave. Excellent. Well, Mark, this is shaping up to be a nightmare show for you. It's like almost everything I... Love is being mentioned. No hustle comments yet, but... And why does that make it a nightmare for me, though? I'm not allowed to like things because you like them? Well, no, I'm not saying that, but I sometimes feel that there's times when you get annoyed with my passions. Well, I I get impatient when I'm being overly lion-kinged. I don't know that any of the others has reached the point where I've heard too much about it. It hasn't reached maximum capacity. I Okay. Well, I can understand. I am quite a Lion King fanatic. But that's... You knew that when you signed the contract. So, oh, well. I'm going to read a, another email. What do you think? Please do. This email comes from Birdo. He writes... Dot 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 dot. No 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 no. That's that's the delimiter that I forgot to cut out. Oh okay. Then he writes, "Hey guys, I love the show and I've been listening for the past five episodes. I just finished listening to the Mouse Planet Watch podcast and was wondering if you guys have X. Okay, I was wondering if you guys have Xbox Live gamer tags." It would be cool to game with fellow Disney World fans. Mine is BUDZ211. So, Buzz211. And he says, it's okay to read that on the show. Keep up the good work. Birdo. P.S. Do the hustle. That's the last well, one. Oh, see, there's your hustle reference. Well, Birdo, I can give you the answer. Mark definitely does not have an Xbox Live gamer tag. That would be kind of hard to have without an Xbox. Yeah, I have a 360 live gamer tag, and my gamer tag is Gabe Splash Splash, and my gamer tag is Gabe Space Newell, G A B E Space N E W E L L, and I'm not on that often. That's, that's not in honor of Mike Newell, is it? No, no, no. Gabe Newell is the um, president and founder of Valve, which made was the publisher of my favorite video game franchise and i ah. happened to see if his name was available and it was so i took it so if he goes out looking for their for his own name tough pretty much and he does and he does game on the 360 he develops for the 360 
but he goes under a different name than his own. So it's kind of funny because people think I'm him, so it's kind of cool. <laughs> but that's mine. I'm really on. The last time I was on was four months ago, just because of work. Um, my Xbox is not even in my apartment right now. It's borrowed to someone. But I'll be getting it back and be pl- trying to play it a lot more, at least once a week. So um, invite me. I'll accept it. And we can get some whatever your game happens to be on. Definitely. There's not very good Disney multiplayer franchises. But hey, Tron will be coming soon, and we can play some of that. All right. Next up, we've got a voicemail from Eddie from Daytona, who's shortly on his way to Walt Disney World to participate in a college program. Let's uh, play the voicemail. Yes, uh, my name is Eddie, uh, currently hailing from Daytona, getting ready to move out to Lake Buena Vista for the college program here in the fall of Vantage 07. Uh, I listen to both shows. I just recently found them because uh, I'm always trying to keep up to date news, and I want to say I want to say you guys are doing a great job. And I know um, you guys had mentioned on the uh, Mouse Planet whether or not uh, we thought the sh- whether people thought the show was too long or not long enough or whatever. I know one of the previous shows, and I want to say you guys, I think it's perfect length. I mean, I wouldn't even mind it longer. I know some people probably, you know, I mean, just depending on your work schedule and stuff. But I mean, it's very informative, and I want to thank you guys. Uh, I was just uh, listening to, I believe, the Mouse Planet podcast, and uh, you had mentioned uh, that you didn't think that Pirates of the Caribbean was going to be able to outproduce Spider-Man 3 in the box office. And I wanted to say that I slightly disagree, only because, I mean, Pirates is a very big franchise, and I understand Spider-Man is too. But, you know... uh, it's just like the comment was made, too. I really thought Spider-Man flunked. I mean, the special effects were great, yeah, but I, I fell asleep during the movie. I mean, it, it was pretty bad. Uh, really awaiting Pirates. I'm also awaiting Shrek 3 and Rush Hour 3 when that comes out way in August, though. But I, I really think Pirates is going to hit whether Shrek 3 came out this month or not. Uh, due to the fact that, yeah, people can see Shrek 3, but, I mean, Pirates, I think it's, I think it's going to be a huge deal, especially now that they're doing, I think it's, I mean, I know I'm probably off base, but I think it's four and a half, a four and a half day weekend opening they're going to have, because I know they announced, and I'm not sure if you guys had caught drift of it, I didn't hear you uh, speak of it, but I know uh, uh, E! Entertainment and a lot of different press sources were announcing that uh, the movie's going to come out the 24th now at 8 p.m. So they're going to try to catch that extra half a day uh, to, to help boost, but I don't think they'd have a problem anyway without the half a day. I mean, I'm, I've been waiting for this movie for a while, and, and hopefully, you know, I mean, I've seen the previews, and I think Disney does a really good job with their movies, and I mean, I'm looking forward to it a lot. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, and I had sent an email in about this, is the Finding Nemo submarine that's uh, going into Disneyland. I was curious what you thought about, um, I know I think it's going to be a pretty big popular ride, but do you think that Walt Disney World should come around and also grab the attraction? I know uh, the 2000 Leagues Under the Sea was replaced by the little aerial playground, but I think they could do so much more with that area. So I was just curious. Anyway, thanks for your show, and thanks for all the time and hard work you guys put in. All right, and I'll, I'll try to keep in contact, especially when I get into the... Whoops. 
I think Eddie has discovered our three-minute timeout on the voicemail. Um, for everybody in, in the uh, future, if the voicemail does cut you off at three minutes, feel free to call back again and leave a continuation voicemail, and uh, we'll uh, ask Stephen to splice them together for you. But um, to hit some of Eddie's uh, topics, the show is not too long, and he'd like it even longer, um, or even more shows. Uh, if we didn't have day jobs and we didn't have lives, we'd consider doing longer shows and more shows. But uh, I have a day job, is, but Mark has a family, and I think you're supposed to spend time with them. I'm not sure. Yeah, it sometimes gets a little tricky between the podcast and the uh, weekly park update on Mouse Planet. But uh, so far, I've been able to keep the juggling act going. So uh, I'm not going to endanger that by doing more shows. But uh, thanks for the support on that. Um, as far as um, pirates doing better than Spider-Man, um, I, I... I would not be surprised, well, now with how Spider-Man did this past weekend, I certainly wouldn't be surprised, but even last week I wouldn't have been surprised to have uh, Pirates beat out Spider-Man, but I was talking about opening weekend. I still think that opening weekend Pirates may not beat Spider-Man because it's going to have Shrek the Third in the movie theaters at the same time, and Spider-Man will still be out there, though it's going to be much less of a force than I anticipated. Um, and then there's another movie that's opening wide that week called Bugs that I don't think is going to have that much of an effect. But I think Shrek the Third being out there is definitely going to pull some of the box office business from Pirates. I would, and we'll have to see how that goes. I would actually agree, Mark. I think Pirates might be able to beat the opening weekend against Spidey um, that weekend, but it's going to be close. There's just so, not enough screens to go around. It's They're trying to all compete with each other, but all the big movies of the summer, with the exception of Harry Potter, which you can argue that as much as you wish, is going boom, boom, boom. But I don't know if Pirates is going to do the long, the overall summer long, be the top on that. I'm sure Spider-Man will be the bottom um, so over the summer. Um, but I think Shrek Third, looking at all the historical charts um, for domestically and internationally, internationally that we were talking about earlier before the show started, I think it's going to be close between Pirates and Shrek on doing the overall and the summer tally, which really is all that matters because that's the end. So. Well, we'll have to wait and see because a lot of it depends on the movies themselves, too. Yeah. If Shrek the Third comes out and falls on its face, then that opens the door for Pirates. By the same token, if Pirates falls on its face, then that makes it a cakewalk for Shrek. So we'll have to wait and see. This um, is all as just... Far as, oh, yeah, we do have to wait to see. This is all just comparing it to past um, episodes of the franchise, and as we saw in Spider-Man 3... It's not always a shoo-in. But a couple hours after this podcast gets released, I'll be seeing Shrek the Third. I already got my ticket. Um, yep. And um, as to Eddie's comment about the early opening of Pirates, that was actually announced after we had recorded the show. 
But uh, yes, Pirates of the Caribbean now is not going to be debuting at midnight Thursday night next week. It is going to debut at 8 p.m. Thursday night, so that Disney will get an extra two showings in at each of the theaters showing the movie. So we'll have to see whether that has any effect on it or not. And Shrek the Third has followed suit with a 10 p.m. release. Yeah. Uh, Eddie also was looking for our opinion on the Nemo subs and whether Walt Disney World should put something in like that. Yes. Um, okay. I think that it would be really neat. I think that it's never going to happen. Yeah, that can go up there think, with... First, aside from the fact that the lagoon has been filled in, uh, the fact that the subs are not ADA compliant, and because they've removed the ride to rebuild it, they would not be able to be grandfathered in. They would have to make all of the ride vehicle, or make some percentage of the ride vehicles handicap accessible, which would not work very well with those subs. Um... I don't see it happening. It would be really neat, but at Walt Disney World, we'll have to content ourselves with the clammobiles for the Nemo effects in the tank at Living Seas. Yeah, you know, I would love for it to happen. Never going to happen. There, that goes up there on my list of things I would love to see, but I'm not going to hold my breath for it. Right up there with Horizons, Treehouse Villas back open to the public. You know, the list goes on, but sprinkles and no whip, you know, all that. And as time ran out on Eddie, it sounded like he was saying that uh, he was going to keep in touch while he's at, on the college program at Walt Disney World. And uh, please do, Eddie. We'd love to hear from you again, hear what's going on, even if it's something that uh, you can't tell us on the air. If you want to drop us an email or, or whatever, you know, please keep in touch while you're on the college program. Hey, that's how that's how I first met Mike when Mike was getting ready to go down on the college program. Yeah, um, we you know hung out when he came down, and that's how I met him right before I went down. So have fun as a CP, enjoy it, go to the parks, do everything you can, um, be safe, and get there as soon as you possibly can, and ask for Chatham Square. Don't be stuck in Vista. Trust me. We have another listener email from Jason. He writes. Hey, my family is going to Disney World in July this year. We've been twice before, and this time I'm really like to take a tour. I'm looking for a relatively inexpensive one, no dolphin encounter, and I'd rather not tour the Magic Kingdom. Do you have any suggestions? Thanks, Jason. Oh, P.S. My family consists of a dad, two children, 11 and 13, and me, 19. I'm also interested in maybe tours of different resorts if those are offered. I believe you mentioned a free tour of Animal Kingdom Resort. Are there others like this? Well, there's a couple different tours you can take. In July, you know, there's the expensive one, you know, the full day um, backstage Disney, but it, that could only be you and your dad. Well, not only that, but backstage magic wouldn't fit his relatively inexpensive yeah. criteria. There's a couple Animal Kingdom tours that are in that relatively expensive price range that are quite interesting. But again, I don't believe children are allowed. Then the rest kind of follow in the Magic Kingdom. But a lot of different resorts offer resort activities that at Animal Kingdom Lodge there is a culinary tour 
which is kind of cool. And kids are allowed to go on that. And other resorts offer other tour-like experiences. It might be an art walk through a lobby and things like, or storytelling, and lots of different cool experiences of similar things like that. In the parks, you've got options like the Behind the Seeds tour at the Land Pavilion, where you get to tour the greenhouses. I believe that I heard that um, Undiscovered Future World and Hidden Treasures of World Showcase were going away. Did you did you hear the same things? I'm trying to remember. I didn't hear about Undiscovered Future World going away, but it's possible. And I'm thinking that there's one tour at the Animal Kingdom that kids can go on as well. And I'm having trouble remembering which one it is off the top of my head. It may be wild by design. But uh, there are a couple. And what you might want to do is, in addition to you know asking around about the resort tours... Uh, Animal Kingdom Lodge, definitely. I think Wilderness Lodge may have one. Um, what you may want to do also is call 407-WDW-TOUR, and that will get connect you to the tour booking office, and you can ask them what they recommend for your criteria as well. Uh, if Undiscovered Future World and Hidden Treasures World Showcase are still open, that might be a good selection. Um, I've heard very good responses about the Behind the Seeds tour, so that may be one you want to do as well. Though that, I believe, you may have to book uh, day of at the pavilion itself, yeah. but I'm not It, it is day of, but it never fails up. So As long as you go early enough, you should be able to get a spot. What is, but, yeah. you know... I think the only time it fills up is during the Flower and Garden Festival. Yeah, pretty much. But hey, if you suddenly win the lottery or something, Jason, me and Mark and myself are available. So That's true. You can have a Mouse Planet guided tour. Yeah, and we got lots of different cool stories. Reasonable rates, just room and board. Yeah, exactly. We'll even pay for our own tickets and meals. Oh, that's board. We'll even pay for our own tickets. And so, and it'll be great. So just have us come down. Mark has lots of good stories and things, and I got lots of cast member inside track stuff, and... It'll be a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Or not. And to book that, what's the phone number, Mark? one 939 2278 Or you're talking about the official Walt Disney World Tours. That's 407-WDW-TOUR. Ah, yes. A completely separate phone number. Yes. <laughs> All right. And our last email this week comes from Steve Russo, who writes, Hey, Mike and Mark, great job on the most recent podcast. Last week's question was, in Spaceship Earth in Epcot, when the two children are communicating across the world, there's a Mickey Mouse item in the boys' bedroom. What is it? The answer is, a Mickey Mouse alarm clock. Mike guessed a Mickey phone, which was close. Mark said it was a hidden Mickey on a surfboard. That could indeed be an alternate answer, but after checking a few videos, I can't find a surfboard anywhere. I swear there's a surfboard in that scene. We may need to take a trip to verify if it's there, or maybe one of your listeners could check it out. Let's try this one for the new... St- well, before we get on to the new one, I'll, I'll have to see if I can find my old photos. I'm pretty sure that the surfboards are behind the boy, um, kind of like a, a wall behind him. But I'll have to see if I can find my own photos. Or if there's somebody who's planning on being down there at Walt Disney World in the next couple of weeks, uh, take a look for us, see what you can find, and... Uh, Send us an email or call us. Well, you know, Mark, I also have the full set of Relive the Magic DVDs, 
So I can just pop one of those and see if any of those videos provide an, an answer either. Give it a shot. Maybe next week we'll and have then, an answer for you. And then Steve continues, let's try this one for the new Stump the Host segment. Stump the it host. Should, it should stump the hosts. We need an intro for this. It should pro- <laughs> yeah, we, we, we need a, a game showy uh, kind of uh, intro. Now it's there, time but, to uh, stump the host. Stump, it, <laughs> it's time for Stump the Hosts. With your hosts, Mike and Mark. I'm your announcer, Don Pardo. Uh, no, we don't want to say that because we don't want to get in trouble with Don Pardo. Jump up for so. j- sponsored by Jinkies. High in fiber and keeps you regular. All right, so let's try this new one for let's try this one for the new stump the host segment. It should prove less ambiguous. In cranium command, ah, I miss it. What is the name of the young boy whose brain is piloted by Buzzy? Keep up the good work and scroll down for the trivia answer, assuming you don't already know it. Well, I didn't have to scroll down for this one. Do you know it? Ooh, I... Okay. In my defense, um, Creative Command went into seasonal right when I was, you know, still in the end of middle school. So, I wasn't... I, I don't remember that much. But I haven't seen it a couple times. I didn't see it on my last trip. I am thinking... Either Kyle or Adam. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm uncertain whether I would have remembered it for certain uh, without having seen it in December when it was open seasonally during Mouse Fest. Um, but I always remember the name because of the way that the girl says it to him. So the boy's name is Bobby. Oh, yeah. And just just think of that girl in that great uh, 80s hairstyle saying, Hi, Bobby. So, yeah. So, yeah. Thanks, thanks again, Steve. That one was less ambiguous. Um, easy for me. Uh, not so easy for Mike. But there's a generation gap. You know, I was born... In the eighties, Mark remembers them fond. Mark remembers it fondly. You 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 were born about the same time that the pavilion opened. <laughs> yeah, so he had more um, time to soak it in as an actual adult. That's my defense. Yeah, I'm sticking to it. Anyway, I- so anyway, if you if uh, Steve or anybody else has another question for Stump the Hosts next week, please send it in either. Email us at podcast at mouseplanet.com or send us a voicemail. And then you can send us the answer in a separate email or something like that. And for a disclaimer, we never claim to know everything. So, <laughs> but it's still fun. Just to most try. things. Uh, All right. Did you hear my, did you hear my, um, do you know my philosophy on intelligence? Your philosophy on intelligence? Yes. I've never. I've never heard you expound on your philosophy of intelligence before. Please do. Please do. Okay. It'll be enlightening. Elucidate us. It'll be enlightening to our podcast listeners. I think around between age 13 to 17, you have all the knowledge in the world. All your opinions are correct, and you know everything. And then the older you get, the less you know. When you're in college, you're like, well, maybe I don't know everything, but I still know a lot. And the older you get, you know, that starts to go, which I'm at that point right now. And then, you know, when you become, like, Mark's age, you're like, I don't know nothing. That's, like, more like Mark's father's age. But uh, <laughs> I think it's true. It makes sense. Because you're, you're you know, 
vision expands in the world, and you see the world with wider and wider eyes. Well, it's uh, interesting. There is a um, Mark Twain quote. It says, When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much the old man had learned in seven years. <laughs> so I think that kind of fits in with your philosophy there. Uh, excellent. Now let's end the class session and continue with the show. And we'll continue by starting to wrap it up. So, <laughs> what do you think of the show? Are you uh, enjoying it the way it is? Are you finding that an hour and a half in one shot is good? Would you rather have it cut into three half-hour segments coming at you a half an hour on three different days of the week? Would you like to see us do something else? Add segments? Drop segments? You know, we're doing the show for you, so if you'd like to see us make any changes, let us know. We won't know what you're looking for unless you tell us. So, you can send us feedback at podcast at mouseplanet.com or calling our toll-free feedback line at 1-866-939-2278. Submit magical moments to stories at mouseplanet.com or a toll-free feedback line. Stories will also be considered for inclusion in the cast place column on the Mouse Planet website. We've gotten a bunch of responses to the listener survey of late. I don't know if people were starting to fill it out en masse or if our uh, podcast tracking service finally let a whole bunch of stuff through into the reports. But uh, we're very glad to see the responses out there. Um, we will keep the survey active for a couple more weeks. Please fill it out. We're mostly interested in the information on how you listen to the podcast, what your what's important to you about the podcast, how satisfied you are with the podcast, and then if there's stuff that you're not satisfied with on the podcast or that you're very satisfied with, there are a couple of uh, pages on the survey for you to send comments. So please, you know, do, uh, give us a little more information about what it is that you like or you don't like and why. Because that'll again, that'll help us to improve the podcast. You can go to the podcast page at mouseplanet.com slash podcast, and the link to the listener survey is right near the top of the page. Uh, you can fill the survey out anonymously. It'll take you about 10 minutes to go through the entire survey. So uh, please do help us out, and we appreciate your help. Please go out to the iTunes podcast directory, rate us, and vote on the helpfulness of the other ratings. Also, please make sure to check out the Mouse Planet Cafe Press Store with the exclusive official Mouse Station and Mouse Planet merchandise. It might be after Mother's Day, but get your official Mouse Planet teddy bear or Mouse Station t-shirt and give it to your mom. Or you can make an early purchase for Father's Day. Or you can buy it for yourself. That'll work. So, that'll wrap it up for this week. Don't forget to visit MousePlanet.com for the complete park updates every Monday and fresh content every weekday. For more Disney news, check out our Mouse Planet Watch podcast, 
which is also available from our podcast page at mouseplanet.com slash podcast. You'll find our show notes in the Columns General Forum on our Mousepad discussion forums. They're also linked from the podcast page. We'd like to thank our sound editor and audio engineer, Stephen Ng. Next week, we'll go back out to the West Coast for interviews from the red carpet at the world premiere of Pirates of the Caribbean. Until then, I am Mike Demopoulos, reminding you that it takes people to make the dream a reality. And I'm Mark Goldhaber, reminding you to live the magic every day. See you next week. See you next week.